you know, we're going to do these things on a Sunday, totally new, and then we start traditions in the way. But um, it's a tradition to open with a question. <laughs> Which is no bad thing, because, um, you know, if you know anything about Jewish teaching and the way of the Talmud, they often start with a question. So it is a very biblical thing to do, to begin by asking us something. Um, so the question I've got for you, I don't want you to shout a reply, okay? Because I'll build my own opinions. My question is, who are you? Okay? Who are you? Now, I don't want you to think what I'm thinking you are. I'm going to think within yourself, who are you this morning? Now, my thinking comes from a song... Um, that we used to sing in the old days. If you remember a period before COVID, there was a time when we sang. And um, it's the song, Who You Say I Am, which um, comes from Hillsong. And um, there's a part in there, you know, the whole song has got some great words in it. And you're probably thinking, what song is that? I'm not even allowed to sing it to you, so you'll have to make it up. But some of the words in there says, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, Mm. not against me. I am who you say I am. You know, we grow up from birth with this whole sense of identity and who we are. The moment we are brought into the world, the majority of people are given a name. When I was born into this world, I was given the name Paul. And from that second, I have an identity. So within my household, and there was only three of us, me, my mum and my dad, but whenever the name Paul was called, I knew who they meant most of the time. So we get this identity as we grow up. And of course it was the same when our boys were born. Um, The great thought we put into all of their names. It was often we would have a list of boys' names, a list of girls' names. And then when they were born it would be something completely different. But we've got Joel, Daniel, John, Matthew. Names of identity. That's who they are. Now if it's started and ended with that name, it would be great. But as we continue to grow, more and more is built into our identity. When we go to school, people begin to know things about us. They begin to know us, maybe not just by our name, some of us might even start to gather nicknames. And names that people begin to call us. For someone who's very brainy and bright in school, they might be known as a boffin. For people who are not so bright, there are other names. But then through some of our characteristics and some of our ways, there are names that are maybe not so nice. And of course, we've always had that saying as we grow up, you know, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. (laughs) 
you know, words are probably more painful than any stick or stone because these words can stick into our lives. And if we grow up, and you know, it's sad, there are some children who grow up in households where all the time they're called useless, you can't do this properly, you can't do that properly, and you know, all of a sudden they're built into their lives. Many characteristics of a lack of self-worth and a lack of real identity of who they are as a person. Because our identity all of a sudden gets damaged by what people can say to us and what people can do to us. We begin to get labels. And as Christians, you know, even growing up in that household, when we're in school, university, you know, when... Our peers learn where we come from. All of a sudden, you're the Bible basher. You're the ones who go to church that place. And, you know, even that brings up a label of its own. There are labels. There are identities. Our work lives can create labels. You know, some of you might think, I I know... My father, when um, he knew that I wanted to train to become a pastor and to go to Bible college, one of the first things he said to me was, why don't you want a proper job? (laughs) So I trained, became a pastor. Another label. It was my job, it was my call, it was what I did. And so people begin calling you your work, what you do for a living. It's an identity of your life. And, you know, as I was thinking of this, I always remember a time in Lutterworth when I was talking to a bunch of young people. And um, they were asking me what I did. And I said to them, I'm a pastor. And I heard one of the boys turn to one of the other boys and he said, I think it's because he's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> that was the understanding. I know my cousin to this day still calls me the raving rev. <laughs> we get these titles of identity. On the computer, we've always got to think of a username. An identity. Something that we can become known as. And we seem obsessed with this. And even in the church world, we can get obsessed. I remember there was a time when... We had to work out what fivefold gift ministry we were. And you could get this book, which in the back of the book there was a test, and you answered all of these questions, and they said, Ooh, you're a prophet, you're a pastor, you're a teacher. And all of a sudden you're labelled into a little place. This is who you are. People have always got an opinion of who we are. And what we should be. It's not a new problem. There was a time. When Jesus. Was with his disciples. It was in the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples this question. Who do men say. That I am. Who do men say that I am? How are they labelling me? How do they see me? 
And you see, even with Jesus, he came and he walked the earth. Lots of different people saw him in many different ways. Who do men say that I am? This question is in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. So it must be an important question that Jesus asked. Who do men say that I am? And there were some answers. All of a sudden, they started shouting out, Some think you're John the Baptist. Someone else says, Others think you're Elijah, raised from the dead. Someone else shouts out, You're Jeremiah. And another one shouts out, You're one of the prophets. So it's like, oh, you're a prophet, you're a good man, you're someone like this, you're a teacher, you're a miracle worker. All of these answers come out. Who do men say that I am? And then Jesus turned to his disciples. And he said, who do you say that I am? Now I find that a very interesting question coming from Jesus. Because it isn't just the question, who do you say that I am? It's that he actually ends the sentence with the two words, I am, which in itself Mm. is a powerful point. Who do you say I am? (laughs) Because to the Jews, that phrase was a powerful phrase that was once shared with a man called Moses Mm. Many years before. I am who they always say that I am. I am the great I am. Mm. I always have been. I always are. And I always will be. Who do you say that I am? And good old Simon Peter. I like him to you. He's one of those that has a bit of a gifting that I've got. Always speaking before you think. Motor mouth. He's got an answer. Pete, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And of course Jesus says, This hasn't been revealed to you anywhere else other than through the Father. This is revelation. You are the Son of the living God. So that was the question of who Jesus is. But this morning, my question wasn't who Jesus is, but it begins there, because it's only in beginning to realise who he is that we begin to get a revelation of who we are. Because if we don't know the great salvation that this one that we look to has born for us, we will never get a full realisation of what we are as his creation. What we are as his people. We will continue to go through life with the shapes of the words that have been thrown at us, the identity that other people see us as, and what we can even begin to believe in our own mind. You know, even as Christians, so many of us can walk around through life 
with no great grasp of who we really are. We're still believing the whispers of the life that we have lived, of the accusations that have come, of the bits of the marred life of this world and society that we live in, of the opinions of people. And you see, even who you think I am is an opinion. It's only what God sees me as. Is what is the true reality. And what is the truth that will come and set each and every one of us free. So who are you this morning? Who are you? Here's just a few examples and Some of these are within that song that that we have sung here. Some of them are in scriptures. And there are many things that I could draw out this morning. But I know you all want to get home, don't you? For the online service. (laughs) So I can just pick out a few today. This one is in the song. You are a child of God. Amen. Amen. In John 1 verse 12 it says, But to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he has given you the right to become God's children. Amen. You know, each and every one of these statements deserves a full sermon. But just ponder that thought for a while this morning. You are a child... Of God. Mm. You know, in the natural world, I'm a child of Derek and Janet Leader. That's the home that I was born into. And I'm sure I could go on Ancestry.com and find out where my root and my tree goes to. I've never had the urge to do that. (laughs) Uh, I can probably go back to one of my great-grandfathers. That's enough for me. Um, I know some people like doing that sort of thing, finding out where you've come from. And again, you know, it was the same in Bible times. Oh, he's the Nazarene. Well, we know where he comes from. How can he be a teacher? Because we know exactly where he's from. Isn't it funny how identity can shape how people see us? Nothing good can come from there. And so all of a sudden, someone's made an opinion of Jesus just because of where he comes from. You know, I'm sorry I'm English. I'm sorry I come from across the border. But that's not the fullness of my identity with you. Yes, I was born in Suffolk. Yes, it's part of my life. Yes, it's part of my history. But what shouts out louder than any family any of us were born into? And you know, this is where it becomes a great leveller. Because some of us have had great upbringings. Some of us have maybe had troubled upbringings. But when we believe in Christ, When we come to that place of receiving him, all of us here today can say, 
I am a child Amen. Amen. of God. Praise Him. It doesn't matter if you were born in a palace or in Suffolk. We're all a child of God. And that is our identity. We are children of Him. John 15, 15 says, we are friends of Jesus. I no longer call you strangers, but I have called you friends. Amen. You know, we may have lots of friends, or you might be like me and have none. I'm, I'm very jealous of Alison because she has this incredible social life with millions of friends. <laughs> oh, I'm out tonight, oh, I'm out tonight. Oh, I'm out to- of course, she's only got one bubble. I'm trying to work out which bubble it is. <laughs> but um, I then sort of think of all the friends I could go out with and I just stay at home. <laughs> oh, you all feel sorry for me, don't you? I quite enjoy it, really. <laughs> But you see, we can be liked by some people, we can be disliked by others, we go through school life building friendships, building groups, having peer groups, we can then go into the workplace and we can be popular or unpopular, we can go home at the end of the day and be surrounded by lots of people or not very many, but at the end of the day, there is one who calls us friend. Amen. I am a friend of Jesus. And again, that's a statement that should blow our minds a little bit because he is the saviour of the world. He is part of the trinity that's there at creation. The word of God made flesh for us. And he says, I call you friends. Romans 8.17 says, We are fellow heirs with Christ. He says, If children, then heirs. Heirs of God and also fellow heirs with Christ. We've got an inheritance. We are so part of this family... We are so in this relationship and we're friends of Jesus but we're co-heirs with him. And you know, we're not just treated as second class in this relationship. We are inheritors of everything Amen. that's in front of us. Amen. For those who believe, you know, one day we are going to have the most glorious inheritance. Amen. You know, I'm probably a bit like you, you know, there are some Christians who so live for the joy of what's to come, it's almost like they can battle through every bit of pain on the earth and it's like, oh, isn't it so glorious that one day we're going to be with him even though we've suffered and struggled. I don't like the suffering and struggling bit. <laughs> you know, when I go, I want it to be as painless as possible, a straight route without any thinking. But when I get there, the inheritance that is ours. You know, have you read 
bits of revelation that talks about streets of gold, a place of healing, no more tears, no more suffering. And that can only be a dream for some of us. But in Christ we are heirs Amen. Amen. of this promise. And it's part of our identity this morning. We are, because we're a child of God and a friend of Jesus, we are co-heirs with Mm. him. There is so much in store for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, We are new creations in Christ. Mm. Anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Sometimes this body of ours might not say we're very new. But even Paul wrote about this body struggles as it gets older. You know, I've got aches and pains that I never realised existed. You know, being a pastor is nice. The only strain I used to have was my writing hand. But now lifting those boxes and heavy things in Asda. <laughs> well, at least now I've got Parson's Knee, as they call it. Never used to have that when I was a preacher. But now I've got Parson's Knee. The aches and the pains, the body struggles. But... In Christ, we are a new creation. Amen. Amen. Praise you. We're no more in condemnation. Because we are new in Him. There are so many. We are chosen. We are holy. We are blameless. We've been made alive with Christ. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have Mm. been saved. Mm. We're alive. Almost went into Lion King then. He's alive. Sorry, I hear all these voices in my head. (laughs) But we are alive. You see, the world that we're living in today, you know, it's so easy for things at the moment, isn't it, to get on top of us. To make us feel down and depressed and struggled. And, you know, especially again this week, you know, we're, we're thinking... We're beginning to to get over things a little bit and then all of a sudden we get these new rules and regulations that sort of take us back a little bit and and it's like we're thinking now, oh, is things going to be normal? Whatever normal is going to be anymore for Christmas? Is it going to be normal going into the new year? You know, there's a lot to get us down. And it isn't just with COVID, there are situations with friends and family, you know, what we hear about this young man, you know, this is on our streets, of our valleys. You know, there is so much, and that's without our own personal family issues and struggles that we're going through. 
And we might feel, you know, we just want to hide away and, and let our lives disappear. But in Christ, God has made us alive together. Amen. You know, one thing I read last week was, you know, we just have to choose to live. You know, whatever's going on around us, it's a choice now. We've got to choose to live. And I think as Christians, the choice is there because we've been made alive. It's part of our identity. We cannot allow ourselves to be sucked down into this state of just letting everything destroy us. Because in Christ we are alive. And just with this one thought, by grace you have been saved. Just that one line should get us through anything Mm. that we ever have to face. By grace, you have been saved. Better just pick one more or two more. I've got about (laughs) 5,000 (laughs) there. You're loved and chosen. Some people might need to hear that. You're loved and you're chosen. It's great to know that we are loved by one who created the whole of the universe. But not just that, he has chosen you. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 4. He's chosen you. And it's not that case, you know, I don't know whether you were ever there during the sports times in school where they said, everyone line up, now we're going to choose our teams. <laughs> and they would start going down the line, oh, we'll have Fred who's the fastest, we'll have Wilma who's the brainiest. And they keep going and going and going, there's about <laughs> three of you left. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it gets down to two. And it's like, oh, well, we'll have Paul then. (laughs) Some of us might have felt that in our lives. But he has chosen. Even before the foundations of the world, he chose you. Now again, that's thinking that blows my mind because I'm sure he had a lot on his mind when he was created. You know, he had shapes of fish and giraffes and all sorts of things in his head. And then he saw you. He said, you're mine. Chosen. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're his workmanship. You know, in Tembe, there's a little place there where, over all of these years, there's, I don't know it's a man or a woman now, because I didn't study inside, but they, they do this glass blowing. And they create all these amazing things through the glass. And Alison loves to go in these shops where 
you know, they have all these nice little knickknacks that are personally made and all unique. And the purse gets going again. <laughs> these great creations of workmanship, I painted that myself. You are his workmanship. Mm. Oh, but just look at me. All these extra pounds. All these wrinkles. A little bit of grey hair. These ugly legs. Hey, you be careful. But this is his workmanship. Amen. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. He's made me for something that he wants to use me for. There is so much in this identity. And the last one I'll mention is we are citizens of heaven. Mm. Our citizenship is in heaven. It is in heaven. Just take that in. Your citizenship, you're not of this earth in a way. You might realise that with me. But I'm not quite of this earth. <laughs> We are citizens of heaven. He has seated us in heavenly places. Now the only thing that can tarnish all of this is by not waking up to the fact of who we really Mm. are in him. You know the devil does a good job, the accuser. He likes throwing these things around like unworthiness, failure, doubt, guilt, unacceptable, all of these things. And you know, he'll use the voices of others throughout all of our lives. He wants to try and shape us in a way that we won't believe who we really are. So that we'll grow up believing what the other voices say. But in Christ, every single one of us have so much going for us. Mm. This is what George R. R. Martin, who wrote Game of Thrones, said about identity. Never forget what you are, for the world will not. Make it your strength. Then it can never be your weakness. Armour yourself with it. And it will never be used to hurt you. Never forget what you are. You're a child of God. You're a friend of Jesus. You're a fellow heir with Christ. You are a new creation. You are chosen, holy and blameless. You've been made alive with Christ. You are loved and chosen. You are God's workmanship. You are a citizen of heaven. If you don't know this reality this morning, if you've never received Jesus into your life as your own personal saviour, If you don't know who you truly are in Him, 
then I would encourage you today to discover the greatest revelation that won't only make alive to you a relationship with a God who sent a son to die for you, that you could know eternal life. It's knowing who you truly are as well. That you are special. You're a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A people belonging to God. Once you were not a people. But now, you are a people. So I end as I began. Who are you? Amen. Amen. Amen.